What's up, Moto community? Ronnie back with the Dented Pipe Podcast. After several weeks of self-quarantining, it's time to get back on the wagon and get new episodes out. I'm very excited here to post episode 10 of the Dented Pipe, where we have our first ever guest on the show. I want to thank FXR Chaparral Honda's Justin Starling for taking the time out of his schedule to call in and be on the podcast. And what a great interview it was. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sure all of you will enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you again to Justin Starling for taking the time out of his schedule to come on the podcast. Now, as a way of reminder, like I always do, I do not have any affiliation with any of the writers, the teams, mechanics, managers, manufacturers, or any of the sponsors involved in Monster Energy Supercross. This is simply a privateer podcast by a fan for the fans. So with all that said, there's really only one question left. Are you ready to podcast? Alright, joining us here on the Dented Pipe Podcast today is none other than Chaparral Honda's Justin Starling. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast, Justin. Uh, how you doing? What you been up to since we last saw you guys racing in Daytona almost six weeks ago? Yeah, uh, it's been kind of a weird time. Um, I remember like when all this started to happen, I booked my flight really late for Friday into Indy because I was like, I don't think we're going to be racing. And uh, yeah, come to find out, no racing. And uh, yeah, honestly, I've kind of taken the time to, I got healthy again, which was nice. I came in with an injury at the beginning of the season. And, you know, my first time back on the bike was Tampa, so. Uh, I've kind of like worked my way back into it, but honestly, lately I've, I've kind of just been training a lot and riding more than usual, um, just because it kind of seems like I always have something like keeping me from riding, um, even when the season's going. So yeah, I've been taking advantage of it. I built a little track in my house. A lot of the tracks are closed. And I've just been hammering 30s, honestly. And the last like week or so, I've kind of backed it down a little bit to only one to two days of riding per week, but I make those days count. They're not really fun days there. They're just, you know, do your motos, be done. Um, yeah, just, it's kind of weird. Really know who we're racing. We have an idea, but we, we I hear you, I hear you. Uh, hey, riding and training and, you know, whenever that time comes, you're ready. I hear you. Now, you mentioned you uh recovering from that injury. I believe it was a shoulder. Was that right? Yeah, I had an AC separation with my collarbone on my shoulder. How's the recovery going? You, you back to 100%, getting close? Yeah. I would say I'm like 90%. Um, my problem was that my shoulder sat out for uh, five days. Um, so that was a big, big problem for me. Um, I crashed actually in Denmark, which was just like the, it was just one of those crashes that you just don't expect. It was literally the second lap of the first free practice. Like it was just, it was a freak thing that happened coming out of the whoops. And I wasn't even going fast. It just put me on my head, kind of like a Jet Lawrence crash, but just completely unexpected. And, uh, yeah, I went to the hospital. They told me nothing was broke, but they didn't tell me my shoulder was completely separated. So that was an issue, and I couldn't fly for a while because I was in so much pain. And I uh, yeah, I actually sat at my girlfriend's house in Germany for a few days. Um, then I found I was told the team in Europe. I was like, hey, I need to just go home. So I had them book on a flight, and I landed in California, and I drove straight to uh, Dr. Navarro's. He was like, yeah, nothing's broke, but your shoulder's out. And I was like, well, that's been like that for five days. So... It was a situation I could have been avoided, but um, it is what it is. The racing in Europe can sometimes be a little challenging. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I took off basically three weeks, I think, um, 
and then lined up Saturday at Tampa, and I was in a lot of pain. I was on pain meds the entire time, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. But yeah, I started practicing again back on the bike. Uh, when was I think it was the week of Daytona? I got one day in, um, and then actually after Daytona, I got two days in and then canceled. So it was just when I was starting to feel like myself again, kind of coming around. And now we're on hold, which it's it's crap, but it kind of came at a good time for me. Yeah, I, bet, I guess that's probably one of one of the few advantages to this uh, unforeseen break is that it's giving you time to just really rest and recover. And and I'm glad to hear that because, yeah, in Tampa, you know, you started the season off, like you said, coming with the injury, but you kept improving each race. You started out with a 20th, a 16th, and then a 15th in Daytona. So you were really starting to build momentum as your shoulder was getting better. And this break obviously has allowed you to heal and get better. So is that giving you more confidence coming back from the break that you're going to be 100% as opposed to recovering and racing yourself back into shape? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with my injury, we got our bike too late with the team. And uh, the first time I had even seen my practice bike was uh, Friday in Tampa. So it was like I hadn't even broke my bike yet. I hadn't even got to test yet. And so I was like, we were so far behind the eight ball and, uh, I mean, it was kind of, it was a bummer, but it was no one's fault. It's just, it is what it is with a new team, and it's hard to get everything lined up. And, um, yeah, we did our best. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's as, as crappy as it is, it's like I started get, getting back on the bike. My results were getting better. They got good in any team. I mean, I had multiple top tens last year, and this year, I, you know, it's been kind of a fight just to be in the top 15. Um, so you know, they weren't good, but we were we were making progress. But I mean, with this with this break, I have to look at the positives of it because if you look at the negatives, you're just going to kind of beat yourself up. But yeah, it, it came at a weird time. Uh, now we have a little bit of downtime, but we can make advantages and kind of like get myself back uh, going again. Uh, yeah, I think when the racing starts back up, you know, obviously Supercross is months from now. That's not going to be until at least September. Um, so I, I mean, I'm hoping I stay healthy too then, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping I come back, you know, when racing starts again 100%, and if that's the case, then, you know, I think some good results will come. Uh, speaking of Supercross being a little ways off, it, it's been no one knows for sure what's going on. Even the government keeps changing and pushing back when they think everything's going to get back to normal. Um, last I heard a couple weeks ago, Feld had some guys do a kind of a podcast tour and kind of give their idea what they're hoping for if things were to stay the same. And it sounded like they're going to shorten to an 11 round, 11 round outdoors motocross season and then a week off and get those last seven rounds of Supercross in. That was if nothing changed. Are you going to be going outdoors or are you just going to be finishing the Supercross season? Yeah, no, I'm in all outdoors. Um, I've, I've kind of always wanted to do a full season outdoors. I've actually never done it in my you know, whole racing career. So um, this year is one of those things. Uh, I told myself, like, now that we have this break, I've never gone in outdoors. I feel, like, fully prepared just because it's never been, a, like, I've always had a Supercross-only team, so it's been so up in the air when it comes around that time. And, um, yeah, this year I have the opportunity to go to race uh outdoors and you know and be prepared for it so the best thing i can do is 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 do that and then go into uh into supercross i mean when it comes to the 11 round thing and, and you know one week off I, i've even heard different things of that i mean i've heard last round could be uh florida because like we're having issues with the gatherings and stuff mm -hmm. so if last round's in florida and then you know the next week in vegas i mean there's so many things going on we, we, we just don't know um 
So, I mean, and you can ask anyone. I think that, hey, even the promoters are going to tell you they don't know. I mean, it's no one has an idea of what's really going on. But, I mean, I guess for sure we're going to go race outdoors first and then hopefully be able to pick up Supercross. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm sure you're you're in the know more than I am. I just go off of what I can I can gather around, and that's even what what they said. Uh, the Feld gentleman, I believe, it was on the Pulp MX podcast that I heard it. That this is just a projection because they can't put anything in writing because no one knows for sure what's going to happen when we're going to get back at it. But that's cool. I look forward to seeing you uh, a race outdoors when we get back. Uh, one advantage, I hope, if they finish in Florida, is it was really hot and it really took a toll on a lot of the guys last year. So at least you won't be in the middle of the summer. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Florida happening um, for the first round. Um, I, I, it, I just don't think it's possible. Yeah. So I think that's going to get pretty much canned. I, I feel like we're going to start at high point. Um, just from what I've been told, um, with ideas, it's more likely for that to happen, um, or Florida being at a later date or the last round. Um, I mean, right now, today we have a nice day. It's been overcast the last couple of days, finally raining a little in Florida. But we've been, you know, 95 to 100 degrees every day, yeah. so it's been pretty, pretty damn hot. But uh, yeah, if we were to race in June in Florida again, I think starting the round at such a hot race would be pretty miserable for a lot of riders, just because it's, you don't want to start the season back, you know. Mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, take a lot, of, like, take a lot of you for the for the year. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping it gets pushed back. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love to start the series in my home, to, uh, home state, but uh, yeah, I feel like it's going to get pushed back, which I think for everyone and even the promoters and people going to the race, it's a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, with that said, then, say we do get for sure know when we get back to racing and an official hard date is put in the round, everything, you guys know what you're doing. How is your training changed? from what you're doing now to a week, a weekly training regimen when you're going racing on the weekend? Uh, I mean, if you think about it, um, so I've kind of, I practice now for at least two, two days a week of riding. Um, actually, I haven't rode in a week right now, just because I took this, this last week off. Um, just I feel like I'm hitting it maybe a little too much, and with this being so far out, it was a little early. But uh, yeah, I'm still cycling. I feel like all my training's more in like base base mode stuff, nothing too gnarly, but still to where you're getting a workout in. Um, I'm having a lot of fun cycling. The roads have been pretty empty lately, which is really nice. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, w when the season starts, you'll still be, you know, realistically two days a week of riding. Um, so that doesn't change much. But I think when we, we have a, a set date, which <laughs> I don't see us having one for a while, that's when I'll kind of up my, my training a little bit. But, I, like I said before, like when I do my, my riding, I'm doing a, at least 1.30 each day that I ride. So I'm still doing the motos. Nothing is at a crazy limit uh, to, to really push it too much because I don't want to go to the hospital right now. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I can't really answer that right now because I just don't know. I hear you. Um, it's more just just stay on the bike so you're not getting rusty and all your needs stay worked up. And, uh, at least do, you know, a 30 each day, or if you're not feeling it that day, do a 20 or something, you know, just something like that, but just trying to get used to the outdoor flow, but when it comes to, like, you know, wicking it up and getting a little earlier, I think that would be more when I actually get, like, an outdoor bike. I'm still riding my Supercross 250 uh, on outdoors right now, just because with the team and everything, it's, everything's so up in the air, you know, they don't want to pull a trigger on a bunch of stuff. And Absolutely. Then out, and the next thing, you know, something changes, so it's, we're always kind of riding what we have. And, uh, yeah, so it's, 
man, it's, it's a weird time. I've played so much Xbox lately, I don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> well, that was going to be one of my questions later on, Xbox or PS4, and you just answered that one, so... So you've been playing... I've been Xbox my whole life. Well, I, I was PS4 before Xbox, you know, before it even came out. And yeah. since Xbox came out, it was always like me and I a bunch of us were always on Xbox. So I just stuck with that. Awesome. And on that note, I'll just throw that in here now since we, we've brought that up. You know, uh, Brian Deegan's been running a weekly, I guess, iRacing with Supercross 3, the game on the Xbox. Are you going to get out there and join Josh Hill and some of the other pros? Yeah, I actually tried to get into it last, last Saturday. And I don't know what was going on, but for two days, my Wi-Fi was just completely lagging out. And I joined one of the games. So I've, I've been playing that game quite a bit, actually. And I feel like I was pretty good. Like, could probably score top five in one of his races. And we went off lap time stuff before the race. And I was on podium times. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill it. And, uh, yeah, my and literally in the heat race, my thing kept glitching out. And my Wi-Fi crashed. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so... And then, yeah, the last few days, me and my buddy, or actually my best friend, Ghetto, we've been playing Monopoly on, uh, on Xbox because we can't hang out and play Monopoly, so we've been doing it on Right on, right on, right on. I might have to pick it up for Xbox. I have both systems, but I, I'm more of a PlayStation guy, so that's what I have it on for that system. But it seems like most everyone's playing it on the 360 or the Xbox One. I might have to go pick up a copy. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of give or take. Some people are here, some people are there. I know, like, Kane Sorello and Rock Shane, and I'm pretty sure Sabachi, those guys are PS4 guys, and then you have some that are Xbox. I honestly think it's nothing with, like, oh, this console's better, this one's better. I think it's just whatever they've been playing for so long that that's just what they use. I yeah. mean, if I, like, it'd be hard for me to go pick up a PS4 controller or PS1 or whatever it's called these days, and play as good as I play an Xbox. You know, it's just, yeah, I don't think it'd be possible for me. I'm also interested because there's always the debate on it plays differently, whether you're PC, 3C, or Xbox One, or PS4. So I'm interested just because I know how it is on PS4 to pick it up on the 360, or the, sorry, I keep saying 360, that's the old model, the Xbox One and see how the, the if the handling's any different or not. Yeah, I know, like, uh, it, the, the best console that you can possibly get out there is a computer. Like, there is no oh, way sure. you can beat a PC with, you know, when it comes to Fortnite or anything like that. Like, the PC is thing to play on the graphics are better and hard drive stronger like the whole thing's yeah. better um but i don't have that kind of money to go drop on a pc i, I would i have the xbox i've had it for a couple of years it works <laughs> I, I hear that i hear that uh, zach osborne was talking about trying to get one of those uh e-racing rigs for nascar and he was saying the cheap one was five thousand. chad reed said some of those get up to over twenty two thousand. so yeah computers yeah, i've been playing actually a little bit of formula one and uh I, my, one of my buddies, actually the guy that owns MX Locker, he has uh, the Formula One rig, and he said it's like it makes the game so much better because I just heard the control hands are kind of difficult. And uh, yeah, his he paid like a thousand for his, I think. And then I looked at some, and there were some that was like seventy six thousand, and I was like, yeah, no way. Like, why would you even consider that? But those are for the like, obviously like you know Verstappen and all those guys that are racing for Red Bull that drive that kind of setup. But oh, yeah. I've been wanting to get one, but I can't find one for <laughs> that cheap. Well, what I was curious about is, you know, when you go through the pit party at races this year, like when I was at Arlington, they got those bikes loaded up on the stands with the springs and the VR glasses. Is that something you've ever tried? Uh, I've never actually done it. Um, I was going to do it one time at uh, rest day morning, and uh, I don't know why I did it. But, uh, yeah, I've never done that. I mean, it, I feel like for, for one of us, it'd be kind of hard to 
to sit there and be into it as much as a lot of people would be. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've personally never done it. I've done, I've done virtual kind of stuff once before, mm. um, and I would think it was in like Vegas or something. But other than that, yeah, I've, I've never. I just never had like, the opportunity to do it. I guess. Right on, right on. I know, like I've done it. There's some arcades out here in Texas that have some basic movement vehicles in their car racing. And honestly, without the gravity, to me, it almost gives me motion sickness. You know? Yeah, that stuff's odd to me. I'm getting older. I can't do that stuff. <laughs> That's good. Um, now, as a fan watching racing this year, it seems like they've kind of tried to change up the tracks this year, try to make it a little more competitive, maybe slow the riders down with a lot of wall jumps, split sections, and a lot of sand. How have you liked the tracks this year that you got to ride? Uh, I think they've been okay. Um, I haven't been too too fond of them, but I did really like Atlanta. Uh, I thought Atlanta was pretty good. Um, I'm not like I don't know. I'm a Florida guy. I love sand. I don't like sand supercross because it's literally the most miserable. Like from the heat race to the main event, cleaning your stuff because there's so much sand inside your helmet and everything. It's kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, I think they've been okay. Uh, I thought it, I thought Daytona this year wasn't as good. I thought last year was a lot better. Um, I think if it was against like this year's track or last year's track, I would say last year's were better. Um, this year it seems that, that people are staying a little bit closer to each other. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's the split lanes are kind of odd to me because uh, it usually favors one. And then uh, yeah, the sand is weird. I don't like it, the sand in a straightaway is fine, but don't put sand in the corner. I, thought that, I think that's kind of odd. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been okay. I, I would say last year would be better, um, personally, but it hasn't been too bad. I know. I gotta ask, um, at Daytona, they showed during opening ceremonies, Ricky Carmichael got all out of shape in the whoops. And then in heat one, there was major trauma in, uh, the 250 heat one in the whoops. Was there any warning about changes that they made to the track between practice and the actual racing? No, no, we weren't told anything. Uh, I was in heat two, luckily, but when I was, I think when I got back to the rig is when I actually heard about Carmichael's situation because I wasn't down there in time for opening ceremony, so I don't, I don't know what happened. I actually haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah, that I heard there was a crash. No one told me where the crash was, so I still didn't know. Um, and then our spotter didn't say anything because I don't think he even knew either. Um, but even when I, I actually got kind of lucky because I got a really kind of a kind of a really bad start in the heat. I think it was like thirteenth or something. And uh, <laughs> I came into the whoops and I skimmed the first four and I was like, "Yee, these things are pretty big." But meanwhile, there's like seven dudes yarding their stuff in front of me. Yeah. So I was like, "Wow, okay." So I like kind of jumped my way through. And I ended up coming out like six. And I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, I got seventh in the heat, but. I mean, like, I made the joke to the team, like, when I came on the track, I'm like, dude, those things were not that big, but they were so peaky that they were kind of sketchy. They told us it was already dark, and I was just like, dude, like, I have a big gap. I jumped with the entire heat race. Like, I literally probably looked like the dumbest rider out there, but I just jumped my way through them because I was like, dude, these are dumb. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do or anything, and we had already set our suspension up a lot softer um, just because of my shoulder and everything and the track being more outdoors, so... When I tried to scale in the next lap, I was like, dude, my sports are kind of blowing through. I'm like, this isn't a good idea. So I just jumped them the whole time. And I knew immediately they were going to move the whoops down um, just because of the two pilots that they had. And they ended up blowing them down at the main event. They were back to how they were in practice. But, 
yeah, they uh, that was a that was an Easter egg, I guess you could say on that one. That was <laughs> completely caught everyone off guard. Yeah, that that was uh, that was pretty crazy. Carmichael just got about halfway through and he got a little huckabuck, but he was able to pull it off like he normally does. It looked normal for Carmichael, but yeah, there was right. th- those two fifty riders definitely uh, took some dirt samples. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Like I literally like there's a one of the videos of like I think it's like delete and those guys crashing. You can see me kind of like hopping through the middle of it, and I'm just like wow. <laughs> like as crappy as it was for them, you know, and it sucks, but it was really good for me. <laughs> now. Uh, growing up, who who were riders that you watched, who inspired you, or who or any other sports? Who were your sports heroes growing up? Yeah, I mean it's kind of hard to go against James Stewart. Um, that dude's a Florida guy. So, and then I was lucky enough like being country mountain for so long, I was able to go out there and ride with him a lot, and he's always treated me with such respect and everything like that. So it was really hard to, you know, to, to say anyone other than Stewart. Um, just his style, the stuff that he would do on the bike was it just seemed un you know, unhuman, and, uh, you know, then I, for me, a lot of riding, it doesn't have to do a lot with the riding, but it also does a lot with how you are as a person, um, and then with how much respect he showed me, you know, it still does to this day, it was, and he's always been my guy, um, but, yeah, I would have to say that much to her, that, that dude is just unreal, and I guarantee you can pick up a bike now and still do a lot of the stuff he used to do, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that guy was gnarly, man. He would have. I, I grew up in California, so I was always at Anaheim One, and he would always find something on the track that he could jump. That maybe someone would do a lap here or there, but he would do it every lap. That guy was amazing. I don't think the tracks were fast enough for him. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was something else to watch. I, I always loved watching, and it was hard. Like I remember the one thing that I was always pretty close to me in two thousand nine. Um, I was, I trained there every single day to get ready for Loretta's as my, my B year or my last B year. And, uh, man, they had me in such good shape and I was actually going really fast. And I remember it got to the point where like, it, this sounds crazy, but Malcolm was kind of struggling to stay with me. And then even like James, like in our sprint mode, was like, he would cast me on the last lap. Like I was riding that good. And I remember just being able to be fast that year to where, I could see him when I was riding, and I like when I follow him, and I could still see what he was doing. Then, man, there was just stuff you could do on a bike that was just unreal. Like I loved watching that guy ride. Yeah, he, he even to this day, even if he hasn't ridden in months or years, I'm sure he could still do stuff that would wow everybody. He he created the scrub, and it is, and people have taken it to another level too. But I mean, I got a poster of him on his uh, one KX125, his first year in Washougal, just sideways, and you can't even see air between the ground and his handlebars. I mean, that guy was just impressive. Yeah, he, he, he pushed the limits, I would say. I mean, there was, I think, guys that pushed the limits in the training, which would be like Carmichael, mm-hmm. you know, and all day. And then, you know, there's people that push the, the talent level, or, or not the talent level, but like, the, the pushing the limit, I guess, I don't know how to say it, but on a dirt bike, and I would say that he was the guy. You know, I'm not saying that he didn't work hard, but, like, you know, obviously, Carmichael was just insane. You know, mm-hmm. he was just, like, mm-hmm. the gnarliest dude ever. And then James was just as gnarly, but he had the talent on top of it. Oh, yeah. And it was just insane. Absolutely. And both of them wanted to win above anything else. Yeah, they both wouldn't go down without a fight. That, right. that was the coolest part. Sometimes... James would go down, but I think it was for a while it was like if he didn't crash, he won or something. Yeah, like 100%. yeah, like, yeah. For sure. I mean, the only one that could beat Stewart on on most nights was himself. 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a that's a good problem to have. <laughs> so I saw you posted on your Instagram recently. You just got a new uh, Toyota Tundra. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, thing's pretty sweet. So, what was your first car or truck that you owned? Uh, actually, so I, me and my dad, like we, my parents weren't always, you know, very well off and everything. So, me and my dad shared a truck for years, and uh, then uh, he tried to come around a little bit, and I, I was making a bit of bit of money with the racing, and uh, we actually co-signed together on getting a Chevrolet van. And uh, there's a normal motor van, and, oh, and I still have it. I still drive. I drove it yesterday. Uh, I'm never getting rid of it. Thing runs. You know, I, I take really good care of my stuff. And, uh, other than the thing needs a paint job really bad because the paint on these vans chip off so bad. The thing's immaculate. Like it's the inside's perfect. The tires and everything are all like every, like last year the thing had a complete remodel besides the paint. And uh, yeah, so I had a Chevy van and man, I've wanted a Tundra for like I don't know ten or eleven years and. You know, I'm, I'm doing okay for myself these days, and, you know, with me not, I don't have a house anywhere just because I'm never in one area. I feel like I'm in, like with my girlfriend in Europe, uh, I'm, in, I'm in Europe, or then I'm in California, then I'm in Florida for a couple of months, and I'm back in California, and I'm back over here, so it's like, if I owned a house, I would be renting it out more than I'd be in it. And, uh, man, I just kind of was thinking, I'm like, man, it's probably the time that I could, you know, I could, I can do this, you know, I've made good money the last, like, four or five years. I'm not spending it, and I didn't have any bills. My truck or my van's paid off, and I'm phone bill, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where. And uh, yeah, I went over and actually pulled the trigger on getting a platinum plunger, and uh, I actually ended up working a deal with my local uh, dealership. They knew who I was, and they were kind of into the action sports a bit. And, uh, so yeah, I kind of worked out well with those guys. And, um, yeah, then like Infab and Mayhem deals, tires, uh, caliper covers. Uh, Pedal Commander, like quite a few people have stepped up and helped me build the truck. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty wild. I, I drove it again today, um, and it, I, I love it. It's, it's my baby. That's awesome. That's awesome. I remember I looked at Tundra's hard when I was getting my truck, but uh, I found a better deal on a Ram, so I had to go with that. But, hey, the but, Rams are sweet. My, my, one of my best friends, Austin, uh, he's kind of like my truck guy. Like He's known that I wanted a truck for the longest time. And uh, he actually kind of helped me with a lot of the building, like the automobiles and stuff I wanted. Um, he got one of the new Rams. And the thing is just unreal. It's like the, the monitor all the TV screen type mm-hmm. thing in the mm-hmm. middle is like a Tesla. Oh, yeah. Like it's just absolutely crazy nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they got, if you get the upgraded uh, interior system, they got some nice systems. But, you know, nowadays, almost any truck is, is going to be reliable, so that's good. Yeah, I was, I, I, like, when he showed me his truck and everything, I was like, man, the interior of that thing, and, like, the people all of it, it's all nicer than a Tundra. And, uh, but I just knew that if I bought any truck other than a Tundra, I would never just absolutely love it, you know? Like, that would always be, yep. like, man, I just wish I bought my trick truck, so. Yeah. Yeah, I pulled the trigger and I got my Tundra. And it's like, I was we were talking, I'm like, man, it's like a great time to own it because gas is so cheap right now. But then we're not racing, so it's just kind of sitting here because we don't really drive anywhere right now just because we're kind of in a lockdown. And it's like, I use my van to go riding and my truck is my daily. It's like we're not really doing anything. It's been sitting more than anything. I washed it yesterday and it's just kind of sitting there. There you go, though. I mean, hey, you're ready when uh, when things kick off again. All right. yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, the biggest thing for me is, like, 
I want to keep a van out west and then at least have my truck back east so that I don't have to keep doing the driving back and forth thing. And uh, I can kind of just fly back and forth during the season. And once the season's over, both vehicles back to one place and be a little easier. So now I can at least do that whenever something, you know, gets going again. Yeah, absolutely. That's a smart plan. That way you can always uh, take your bike where you need to go. Just, yeah, exactly. We have a bike in Florida, a bike in California. It just kind of makes things easier. And, you know, being 27 now, and uh, getting a little bit towards the end. I want to keep doing the whole travel back and forth with the bike going this way and going back that way. It's like, I'd rather hop on a plane, get out there, get back. I'm fortunate enough to have two vehicles, you know, and be able to do that. So it's might as well just take advantage of it. Absolutely. Just a couple more questions. We'll wrap you up. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Hey, I just, I'll be up all day. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and my girlfriend walk around all day just like, hey, what do we do today? Like, because I'm not cycling or anything today, so it's just been like an off day because she flies out tomorrow, so we've been hanging out. It's like, man, like, what do we, what do, we do? Like, there's nothing to do. Right on. Well, if you ever need something to do, give me a call. We've always got room for you on the Dented Pipe Podcast, buddy. <laughs> you got my number. Um... What is your go-to song or band when you want to get yourself fired up before going on the track, either for practice or to head out for the race? Uh, you know, like the, I'm kind of an odd guy. I don't really have a song that will get me just fired up. I mean, I'm sure I do, but I can't really think of it off the top of my head. Um, but I really like Post Malone. Okay. It's really pretty good. I've been having, like, kind of listening to his stuff a lot more than normal lately. Um, but, yeah... I, I don't really know. I'm, I'm kind of just so everywhere. I have to go through my Spotify. I know I have over 1,100 songs on there, but it varies so much, and I listen to all of it. So it's, uh, I think Martin Garrix is really good, too. I've been listening to him quite a bit lately. We just watched a documentary on him a couple days ago, too, and so I've been kind of enjoying him a lot lately. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe some Martin Garrix. He's more of like a In My House music kind of guy. You know, that music always kind of gets you fired up. Right on, right on. If you had to choose your top three movies or TV shows to get you through the rest of this quarantine, what would you use? Ooh, on any Sunday for a movie. Um, that is That's a great movie. Yeah, and then uh, I've been Netflix has been huge lately. Uh, we've actually watched we've been to watch so many shows lately, but like Money Heist was awesome. We've actually finished it out and we're waiting for the next season. Right on. I'm about halfway through Money Heist right now. Yeah, so Money Heist gets epic. If you're only halfway through, it just you're gonna get hooked even more. Um, so I've been a huge fan of that. Um, and there was another one that we were watching. I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but. Yeah, I can't remember what it is right now. Uh, I'm just going to ask because it's everywhere. Tiger King? Oh, yeah, I saw Tiger King. <laughs> I mean, how do you not love it? Cause it's just so <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we watched it. I think we actually binge watched that once in a night. Um, but, yeah, uh, Tiger King was good. Um, oh, you know, another one, uh, Driver's Survive, Formula One. That oh. would be, I think that was another one that we, I binge watched in, I think, two days. Um, and that's actually got me so hooked on Formula One lately that I've just been addicted to it. Um, and then there's also, you know, I'll name off a couple, I've been Formula One guy lately. Uh, Senna is really good. That's about Eric and Senna, another mm-hmm. Formula One driver. Mm-hmm. That one's awesome. Uh, I actually highly recommend watching that. It's just a documentary, you know, like episode, basically just one documentary. 
Um, and then the other one is, uh, I don't know the name of it, but it's on the, it's on Frank Williams. It might be just like Williams the Formula One. Um, but it's about the Frank Williams who runs the Formula One team now for like 42 years. Um, and that's kind of a documentary on his life. And, uh, yeah, actually like the Harrison Senna when he passed away, he was driving one of Williams' cars. So it kind of like, if you watch the Senna one and the Williams one back to back, it's actually really good. That's what he did. And you can kind of get a little bit more behind the scenes on some things that you wouldn't get in, you know, just one of the documentaries. Awesome, awesome. I'll have to check those out. I haven't looked at that. I know a lot of people have been talking about that F1 documentary or or uh, behind yeah. the scenes. Uh, I haven't watched that yet, but I got to get into that. I actually ended up getting that into one, that one will get, So I'll start with Driver Survive and watch that whole the whole thing. Um, I don't know how many seasons. I think it's two seasons. Um, and then go to the Cinema one, and then go to the uh, the Williams one. And like, like just watching those will just get you so in love <laughs> with Formula One. And then it's like you get basically what's happened this past year, and then you get you know the stuff from back mm-hmm. in the day, like the legends and stuff, and also like some rivalries that you wouldn't normally see. Like it, it's awesome. Sounds good. Sounds good. I think that's got me more fired up to go racing than anything. Watching those guys. <laughs> I'll tell you, I. Uh... I've watched some F1 races back in the day. I get into, like, flows of stuff where I'll watch a certain type of racing for several weeks, and then I kind of fall out of it. But F1 is always – when I get watching it, it hooks me. It's like rally. If I can find rally racing on TV, I watch it all the time. But F1 is some good racing. I, I like it, and uh, I'll have to check out those documentaries. Yeah, I, I was never a big Formula 1 guy. Like, you, I would sit there, I would know, like, the Red team at Mercedes and Ferrari and stuff like that, but – I didn't know too too much about it, um, and after watching the driver survive, I like, you know, I have like my, my favorite driver Max Verstappen now. Like I have like all these guys that I'm, you know, Lewis Hamilton's really hard to go against. He's so good, um, <laughs> but yeah, like Garrett Gasly, like there's so many guys that I'm like big fans of now. And you could ask me two weeks ago who these guys were, I, I would only know Lewis Hamilton. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know who these guys are. You know, fashion pedal, like there's so many that are just so good that I couldn't tell you who they were two months or two weeks ago, but now I'm like big fans of them. I follow them all on Instagram. That's funny. That that's awesome. Yeah, I kind of got into MotoGP because they were doing a lot of their ten best races for free on their app with all the quarantining and stuff. And uh, man, I, I tell you, I love watching that, and it's just. I thought about doing a podcast on that, but I never learned how to say all those foreign names, so that kind of scares me. But Yeah, I, I couldn't even tell me any of those guys. <laughs> I, I know what I knew was, uh, I blanked on his name now, but he can't photo, and he writes for Red Bull. Oh, Gane. Yeah. Jake yeah. Gane, or whatever his last name is. Um, yeah, he came from Moto, so I know that guy. All right, what is something you love to do or a hidden talent that most of your fans wouldn't know? Uh, I, I'm not really good at anything. Uh, I kind of I'm decent at riding a motorcycle, but that's kind of I guess a little bit down. Uh, I think kind of my hidden talent is actually I'm a really good climber on road bikes, um, which is super weird just because I'm from Florida and I don't really do that ever. <laughs> but when I was went to Colorado the past I think it was two years ago, I went for two years. And uh, I was training with Tom Danielson, who's actually a coach trainer right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to cycle with him every day, and he his specialty in Tour de France. Like, he got eighth Tour de France in, like, 2014. Yeah. Um, but his specialty was climbing, and I would do some climbing for them. And, yeah, of course, I wasn't on his level by any means. I wasn't even close. But I was. he noticed, he's like, dude, you're a really good climber. Like, you're kind of built for it and everything. 
Um, yeah, so maybe climbing on a road bike, which is super odd for a Florida kid. Well, speaking of that, um, in free time or, or maybe several years down the road when you hang up your motocross boots, is that something you'd look to get into? Uh, no, I, I don't really have any desire to race or anything like that. I, uh, I mean, I, I, I've gone in the whole thing, we're putting a lot of models in and all that, but I, uh, it's just not my thing. Like, I, I love cycling. It's like one of my biggest passions. And I really just, it's good, like a good way to just get away mm-hmm. from things, you know, but also I really enjoy the suffer of like motos and stuff. So it's kind of like I can get away, but still get that suffer from moto, you know, like it's kind of weird, but, um, yeah, when it comes to racing and now I'm good. I, <laughs> I go cycle by myself or in like a group with a couple of my buddies. That's fun. But yeah, actually I really like cycling with, uh, Jared Robin. Okay, right on. Um, a lot of fun to cycle with. When I was saying, when we were talking about the other day, like we'd go moto together, then go straight to cycling. Because he's, he's another one that's a, kind of a fighter too. And I actually have uh, Tristan Lane. Uh, we just did this podcast with, uh, I think, yesterday or today. Uh, he lives about a mile from me, and he races Supercross. And uh, he's like me. He's like, he, he will literally grind until he'll pass out. And he'll just suffer and suffer. And, like, me and him, when we go cycling together, it's kind of like a suffer mess. But, yeah, when it comes to racing, I'm not good. I'll watch. So that, that sounds like, uh, I remember reading an article uh, either in the late 90s, early 2000s. I want to say it's David Pingree, but I'm not 100% sure it was. And they're asking him how many miles he runs. Or it's Jason McCormick, I think. He said he just runs on the beach till he throws up. Then he knows he's good and heads on back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't push it that hard. Um Maybe back to the head, a good idea, but um, yeah, I keep it somewhere between 25 to 30 miles, and uh, it just kind of depends on, you know, right now, like I said, it's been more fixed rides, so it's just been, you know, a steady heart rate mm-hmm. that's a little mm-hmm. higher, um, but not at your max and not to where you're not pushing. Um, but then, like, when it's intervals and stuff, but yeah, it's just, I know, like, when I was training with Baggett a lot, um, you know, he wouldn't really do a road bike right past an hour, you know, like, it just, everyone's changing. I kind of like, like to go off miles more than time, just because you can go time one day, but be slower and actually do less time. Mm-hmm. Miles, you can make a loop that, that, that you know you know how many miles it is, and it's it, I don't know. I feel like miles is better, but it's, everyone has their thing. All right, a couple more questions. Uh, if you could pick any bike, if you had to pick one bike from your very first bike to your current bike to ride the rest of your life, which bike would it be? Red Bull KTM. Nice. Not even. Like those bikes and those guys, these things are unreal. <laughs> nice. Not even hesitation on that. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how you go against it. I mean, those bikes are just phenomenal. I, they're they're so good. Now, a lot of the guys, uh, I believe I just saw Cole Seeley get one. I know Chad Reed just get one. Uh, Yamaha and KTM are the only guys making two strokes right now. Have you been riding any two strokes in your life, or have you all been four, uh, four strokes? No, I've been four-stroke literally since my schoolboy days. Uh, I would love to get a two-stroke and ride it, but it's one of those things where, you know, like I, I'm, I'm making money, but I'm not making a crazy amount of money so I can go spend, you know, six grand and mm-hmm. make a nice two-stroke to ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't ever ride one. Uh, I would love to. Don't get me wrong. It's one of the coolest things to own one and have, but... It's just never really been in my cards to uh, to own it. So, yeah, I haven't spent any time on it, but I would love to ride one. Right. Just, I don't even really know anyone with them. 
You just got to go buddy up with uh, Shane McElrath, you know, uh, the Star Racing Team. David Villeman is rebuilding like six of them right now. Oh, really? Yeah, he's been posting it on Twitter. He, he, he's got a problem, he says. He buys one bike after another to rebuild right now. I mean, midlife crisis, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Everyone kind of finds their one thing, but maybe that's been his little, uh, his little getaway. Like you said, that, to have the money to be able to do that, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I mean, if you can afford it, you want to do it, go for it. I mean, my idea was I bought a truck. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, now, how can your fans follow you on social media, and what can we do to help support you? I believe you have some shirts and some merch that you're selling. Yeah, I have, uh, yeah, my Instagram is just at Justin Starling, and then my Twitter is at Justin Starling, I think, underscore at the end. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's a tough time right now. Like, not sure if really making any, I haven't made any money at all and I, since Daytona, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a struggle. I have, a, like, a Teespring account for merch uh, on there, and then also, like, the YouTube channel. I don't know if there's people in the show that make money on it and make videos that I'm asking for it, but... I have my Teespring account linked to my YouTube as well. Um, that's at that's just throwing motocross. There's a, a Justin Starling rapper on YouTube that he gets a lot of buzz on there. But yeah, mine's just throwing motocross, and you can subscribe on there. Um, you can also find my Teespring account on there as well. Um, so yeah, like it's I, I'm not a type of dude. I'm not gonna go ask for handouts from people mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But if you want to support me, and, you know, you get a T-shirt out of it or something. And, um, I put ways and stuff like that too. Uh, it's been kind of time just because like a lot of my gear and stuff is still on the semi. So like, I kind of only have like five cents a year here at home, which is like normal for me. But now it's kind of like, well, what am I doing with the gear? Rig and all that. So yeah, I want to do some giveaways soon. I just gotta kind of just let everyone get through this pandemic a bit. Um, just before I go ask sponsors for like some stuff for giveaway stuff, you know, like that. So right, right. Because I know, I know everyone's struggling. It's not, a, it's not an easy time for anybody by any So I'm kind of just letting everyone get through this little bit and, you know, maybe the next month start doing some giveaway stuff and whatnot. But I try to keep, you know, keep my social media up as much as I can, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, it's a weird time, man. It's, a, it's basically our off-season right now, which is super weird because we would still be in super gross right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's a, that's a comment I heard someone else say that they're treating it like it's the off season. That's interesting. That's literally all you can do, but it's, it's so weird. Like I, I, I'm not the type of dude like in off season I go on vacation and stuff like that. But I'd at least like to be able to go to a movie or <laughs> mini golf or, or something, and we can't do anything. It's just been like almost like house arrest without being actually arrested. I hear that. My my parents used to always tell me growing up, you know, adult life was either having the money and not the time or having the time and not the money. And that's how I feel. I got all this time now, but we can't go out and do anything. Yeah. And I, we went to a, I went to Walmart yesterday for the first time since all this has started, like since our lockdown and everything. And uh, I made a joke to my girlfriend. I was like, you know, like, so do people with masks on look at us like we're weird or are we looking at them like they're weird? You know, like I can't figure it out, like which one's normal now. You know, and like back in the day, if you saw someone with a mask, you would be like, wow, that's so weird. But yeah. now it's almost normal, and they look at us like we're weird if we don't have them. Like it's the world is a crazy place right now, and I mean, if anything, I think in the long run, as crappy as it is right now, I think it's going to do everyone solid. Just mm -hmm. that the world will be a little bit cleaner. Mm -hmm. At least I'm hoping. Um, I've always been a dude like when I travel, I'm hand sanitizer, and I keep all that stuff with me just because I don't want to get sick in, in my racing. Oh, sure. Um, so I'm kind of hoping it kind of comes more normal for everyone and maybe the world will be a better place in you know a year or two we'll be we'll to see 
So yeah, I hear that. I hear that. It's definitely, uh, you know, one of the things that popped in my head. We are living history. When all this is said and done, generations down the world, kids in school will be reading about what we're living through right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it is a, it is the craziest timing. My girlfriend's been here for about three months now. She's going back home tomorrow, but I mean, we don't even know if she really is because she, she had a flight canceled five times now. You wow. know, and it's, it's just a crazy, crazy time right now. Like, I, you, you don't even know how to explain it. You can't even compare it to anything. It's just something you just like, well, okay. Yeah, my dad's been doing projects at home and, you know, still, he's still working. Well, he's technically considered essential because he's like a home improvement guy. Yeah. So, yeah, he's still been working, but it's one more like, a little project around the house. I mean, I've been riding. I built a track at the house just for something to ride, and it's it's just a weird. It's, I, you can't even put it into words, really. Like it's just an odd time. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm just gonna end this by opening up the floor. You can, uh, if you have any friends, family, sponsors you want to give shout outs to, or anything that we might not have covered in this interview that you want to put out there, it, it's just let you say what you want to say, brother. Yeah, I'd just like to thank, uh, honestly, a lot of people on this truck build have been huge, like Ink Fab, uh, Mayhem Wheels, uh, Amp Tires, Pedal Commander, uh, actually a Dev Creative made me some stickers for my truck as well. Um, so, like, a big thanks to those guys and also, of course, to the land. Um, then everyone that's involved with the Epicsar Chaparral team, like, you know, a lot of them are still sticking behind all of us during this time, and I know it's a weird time for them. You know, we're all kind of sitting here just twiddling our thumbs not knowing what's going on. Like, I have text from Michael on my phone right now where it's just like, dude, sorry, like, things are so, like, weird right now with trying to get things done. I'm like, dude, it's fine. Like, you know, but everyone that's part of that team, like, big thanks to those guys and FXR and Chaparral and, you know, 60 Helmets, Alpine Star, Oakley, all those guys. They've been, they've been awesome and, you know, we're, we're, we're doing our best here, you know, and, uh, yeah, everyone that's stuck behind me to this day, is, it's been awesome and, yeah, we'll uh, just have to keep on keep on trucking when that time comes. All right, well, that's uh, that's pretty much all I have. I want to thank you again, Justin, for coming on and being our first uh, interview on the Dented Pipe Podcast. It's been a real honor, and uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, no worries, absolutely.